All right, we're rolling. How are you doing today, Lori? I am doing fabulous. How are you doing, David? I am doing fabulous as well. It was kind of crappy out this morning, and then I went out and did some yard work, and I, um, it, it was kind of relieving. And then I sat down in my, or my patio chair, and I closed my eyes, and I felt I just felt great. Soaking up the sun was well needed. Yes. Very much needed. The sun just poured on us so beautifully today. I, I did the same thing. I went out to the back deck because we're having some trees taken down, which always actually makes me very sad. So I go out there, and I give my gratitude and um, appreciation for the trees and, and then I'll focus on how it'll be renewed for someone else in, in their fireplace and especially uh, campfires outside and um, the fellowship that that brings. So I was kind of having that moment, but um, seeing the blossoms start to come now on the trees and yeah. it was just, it was good. It was good. I was right there with you. <laughs> I actually cut down a tree in my backyard uh, a couple days ago. And it's hard, uh, isn't it, it? It was hard, but it wasn't hard at the same time because it blocks the sun in our pool. Mm. So like around four o'clock, you don't want to be in the pool. And I was not sad to see yeah. it go. But I think it's something similar to when um, our amazing Native Americans say the prayer when they have to um, kill a deer in order to mm. provide meals for their families. You know, I think it's that kind of that for me yeah well I think it's important to kind of show reverence to nature right Mm -mm. like I think a lot of times we kind of take things for granted with especially with the accessibility of um food and Mm -hmm. being able to just go to the grocery store and eat and have kind of a disconnect from what you're not even eating food really anymore I mean in theory no yeah injecting ourselves (laughs) Whole nother conversation, right? Yeah, but I think I think there's a lack of reverence, right? Would you say? I would. Well, um, yes. And I, but I think there's. Um, kind of a lack of even knowledge of what that how that pertains to you, or or how it should be a part of your life, or, um, you know, and I don't, I don't know if it's taught as much. Or, and I don't even want to say taught because usually you learn even even simple gratitude and appreciation by watching it from others. And and we're so busy now. We're yeah. so busy that we're, you know, we have to make it a movement. You know, kindness matters or, you know, the, the kids in school have their, um, you know, kindness buckets. Or I can't remember, my kids are older now, but they had like little little slogans, you know, yeah. where you would intentionally write that, which is great, but it's, it's also, um, a little flabbergasting to me that it's something that we have to make as part of our curriculum. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's kind of concerning too, for me, because like as a parent, you try to raise your child to be kind, like you don't want them to be mean to other people. By your actions too, right? Right, exactly. Yeah, and that's exactly. kind of where I was going with all this because I just recently became on, like came under fire for an episode I released. And one of the things, like the people that were coming at me were just mean and rude. And I'm just thinking like, like how do, the, how do their kids see them? Yeah. You know, it, like those are the future of America, those people. And when they see their parents talking about somebody who's doing a podcast that they don't agree with and they're just, talking crap about somebody they don't even know it's like what is going on 
Yeah. Why are we insulting people? Well, I've noticed that with sports, like when my, my kids were young and we'd be at a soccer game or what have you, and you would see the the kiddos on the sideline waiting to go onto the field or what have you. And the the verbiage that would that would come out of their sweet little oh mouths, you know, there and but then I would look and they they would be mirroring their parents. Yeah. That's kind of the beauty, though, of having children. Also, is how they they mirror. <laughs> Careful, <laughs> <laughs> they mirror the parents, like in every aspect, yeah. you know, the good and the bad. Mm-hmm. And like for me, it's kind of interesting to watch like some of the my kids' behaviors and seeing how they like you know cop- accountability, right? Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we can all have a moment of silence right now and think about that. <laughs> Who's keeping you accountable? Uh, ooh, ooh, <laughs> that is such a good topic. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I didn't really want to come on here today at this this point and and really get into what I do for a living. That that would be an amazing future episode. But accountability is 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 a huge part of what I talk to my clients with every single day, and and they say, well, how do you do this? How do you do that? And I'm like look like it is hard for me to hold myself accountable because the voices in your head you know if you're not being the person that you needed as a child Mm. that line right there I think I I already said that to you before you know it's like be the person that you needed when you were that little girl or boy you have to be that person now there's nobody else in the world that will do that for you yeah because they can't, they're doing their thing. Right? Yeah. So it's this little vicious cycle that we keep thinking someone else needs to say, I'm proud of you. Um, it's time to get up now. It's okay that you need to sit down, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. We constantly keep waiting for permission, but someone to give us accountability and structure and happiness. I mean, and, and it does not come from anybody but yourself. That's it. Yeah. That accountability is huge. And, it's and, huge. And, 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 and I mean, that's like multifaceted too. Like, I mean, if you think about, that's uh, like a spider web root system. <laughs> well, it's your, it's your fundamentals. It's who you are. If you can't keep yourself accountable, then nobody's going to. And then you just kind of, your life just kind of just goes wherever at that point. Because well, that's, that's surviving. That's not living. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You should do a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) We have talked about that, haven't we? (laughs) I'll just help you out. How about that? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. This episode is brought to you by Red Bike Delivery. This delivery service operates only using battery-powered, eco-friendly transportation. Red Bike Delivery is there for all your delivery needs, whether it's dinner for the family, flowers for your partner, or new house plants for your new collection. Red Bike Delivery will gladly deliver those and everything in between. So what are you waiting for? Check out Red Bike Delivery on Facebook or Instagram for more information. Red Bike Delivery, because there's only one Earth. Um, so, wow, that was a interesting beginning to an episode. Usually it doesn't go like that. I'm so deep. I, I really <laughs> like that, though. That was That was pretty deep. But I want to get into you. I want to yeah. find out who Lori is. Um, are you from the Lansing area? 
I, obviously, no. you, you you work here. I joke and I say boys brought me this way. Not oh. at all. Um, never even really paid any attention to what Lansing was when I was a kid. So uh, I am a Michigander through and through, which um, hmm, I think I'm supposed to say Michiganian, but hmm. I, I'm a Michigander. I, I, Why can't I'm you old, say that? I don't know. <laughs> it got changed at some point, So, but I'm still a Michigander. Um, You're canceled for that now? I'm... <laughs> <laughs> I um, was born and raised in the Flint, Fenton, Linden, Holly, that okay. whole, that area over there, um, and went to U of M. And um, what did you study? English and history. Uh, you wanted to be a teacher? I did. Mm, how Surprise, did that work out? <laughs> right. You would have been a good teacher. I'm, I still consider myself an educator to this day. I think that whatever you are supposed to be doing, you're going to do it in one way, shape or form or another, whether you end up having that official paper degree or not, you know, so I did start off doing the actual, um, governmental school and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And it was, it wasn't for me, you know, things had changed enough over the years when I studied education. Um, I did a lot of emphasis in psychology too, because there, and there was, there was this huge drive to be in the medical world too, but my mother was like, "That's so hard. You can't do that." And oh, man. you know, that sounds supportive. <laughs> watch her. God bless her. But it was her fear. It yeah. was your fear. Yeah. And and you know, you don't realize that later on that you know part of the accountability <clears throat> thing, right? Is that yeah. we're giving our children our fear. Yeah. And unintentionally. Yeah, they and, just see it. We see it. it as protecting and loving, and and there is so many things through my upbringing that I've, through all the adversities, which we can touch on if we had like five hours. (laughs) Um, We have as long as you want to (laughs) have. It would be a segment podcast. We're only nine minutes in. Yeah. Do you see how much fun it's been? It's been a blast. (laughs) That leaves another 50 minutes. (laughs) But education just changed um, from when I graduated to this level of highly qualified, um, no child left behind, um, state organized testing, things just changed drastically. And I chose to have my children right after um, I graduated from college or, you know, within certain, a few years after. And um, by the time I was getting back into that idea of being, and I'm going to say this, this is what it felt like, stuck in a classroom. Mm. Like it, and, and that's not how everybody feels about it, but when it doesn't feel quite right, you seem to somehow highlight what doesn't feel right. Yeah. And I kept thinking, I can't be stuck in a classroom where I don't have any freedom whatsoever to to educate. And, 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 and I, I definitely am not standing here saying that that's the way it is for everybody, but that's kind of how it felt for me, which was, is really more the moral of the story, which told me that that wasn't for me, you know, mm, as, yeah. as I'm going to reiterate. Um, you just felt like you're kind of trapped into what you could and couldn't teach and, well, and then the I, way you could teach. Yeah. Because what inspired me to be a teacher was someone, cause school was very difficult for me. And, and I don't even know how I, I, Went in, you know, to U of M and graduated well. And, you know, I mean, because because I am, I mean, I do have a pretty decent IQ here, but I'll tell you, <laughs> but my self-esteem and self-confidence does not match that IQ. Mm. 
you know? And that's where we are so gosh darn hard on ourselves. We're like, well, you know, why can't I do this by now? And I should have this by now because we are constantly trying to measure everything. Right. You know, I have this degree and I didn't this and I haven't even done anything with it. And for years I did feel that way. I'm like, well, shoot, you know, I, I don't have this and that, and what do I have to show for it? And there's a lot of soul searching attached to that and, and getting rid of the voices of your parents, you know, um, getting, getting rid of the voices of, um, partners and friends that, you know, along the way that, that stuck with you, you know, um, and, and back to that, that big thing is being the person that you needed all the way through. It's so easy to be hung up on the pain and everything, which I'm totally getting sidetracked about uh, my journey. But it's also difficult, too, when you're a young person and like I'm assuming you went to college at a very young age. Oh, yeah. Right out of high school. And in fact, I took college courses in high school because I felt like I had to do that. Yeah. But you're still trying to figure out who you are as a person. Like you don't even know who you you don't know what you want to do. I'm watching my children go through it right now. Yeah. Yeah. Difficult. Yeah, I have a 22 year old and um, a 20 year old and a 17 year old. You know, they're just shy of 17, and you know, it's it. it everything will change drastically for them too within the next couple of years. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, where I was going with that? You were talking about your journey a little bit, and uh, you went to college and then you decided that you didn't want to be a teacher. You didn't want to be stuck in a classroom because you kind of yeah. felt trapped. In, well, uh, I'll tell you what's fascinating. Well, so I did end up teaching. Um, I did a little bit. I was able to do this phenomenal after school program under the 21st century education grant that was written by, um, some, uh, professors and, um, uh, staff at MSU and it, it was one of the most amazing opportunities that I had. And it really uh, was called Kids Learning in Computer Clubhouses, Click, K-L-I-C-K, which the internet at that time was just could not handle that we were spelling <laughs> click incorrectly. Uh, <laughs> but that allowed me to create um, um, curriculum to actually educate. And, and I fell into middle school, which I loved absolutely loved doing middle school Mm. and um i don't think i would like that right i have (laughs) this theory that you either love it or hate it and if you hate it you're you got to get out because you're the kids will ruin ruin you you. and you will ruin them (laughs) (laughs) so um yeah i kind of found my sweet spot with that a little bit but i was teaching dance for and because i'm a classical ballerina and um just started teaching dance. And then I started realizing that when I was even teaching ballet, that I was speaking in French and I was explaining, you know, exactly what that, that move translated to in the language. And then I had to even have a board and write it out. And I thought, oh boy, you know, I'm, you can't walk away from it. You know, when I was really, really little, I used to pretend as a teacher in my bedroom alone. Wow. You know, with my dollies or whatever, you know. And when I did use red ink, I apologize, everybody. <laughs> You're supposed to I use was, black, right? I was the red ink girl. <laughs> I am from that generation, though. What generation? No, I'm just uh, kidding. You don't have to disclose I, Oh, that. I am super proud. I am a Gen Xer, 100%. Yeah. I am a Gen Xer all the way. And that's actually a very fascinating com- conversation is the different generations on um, our... 
I, I don't want to use the word struggles because we all have it in every generation, but um, the way our, our journey with everything, yeah. you know, and that's one thing that um, by doing this podcast, I've had the opportunity to talk to a lot of different people of different generations. Absolutely, a lot of Gen Xers, and uh, you know, a lot of even people like my age, I'm, I'm a millennial, but like everybody handles the trauma that they went through differently. And I noticed mm-hmm. that it's mm-hmm. different for each generation. Well, and here's the other element that is a totally another podcast. I'm being for real on this because <laughs> I had a, just this huge research because I, 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 anyway, it also depends on what generation your parent is coming from. Mm. So I am very fortunate to have um, silent generation parents. So I, I'm very fortunate, but, um, a lot of people in my age bracket have um, baby boomer as parents. So whereas my husband is a baby boomer. Mm. So with me having such a different, um, I mean, my parents, you know, their, their parents every single day went to the store to get their food to put in the ice box. Yeah. You know, they had, you know, I mean, very different, (laughs) very, very, very different, you know, and their parents, you know, were part of wars that we can only see in books, yeah, you know, yeah. and not even and comprehend. So I was raised very differently. Yeah. Those are different times. Very, <laughs> very, very different, very different times. Um, do you think, do you think the way that they raised kids back then was better than the way they like, as far as building like strong, like enduring children, do you think it was better back then I oh yuck you know I mean hmm. like when you see some of the struggles that people are like some of the younger people are going through today compare because you know what we are all injured children we can never come out of our childhood unscathed no matter what it doesn't matter what what income bracket you're raised in it doesn't matter if if you are what culture, what, you know, we all come out of our childhood with perceptions of things a certain way. Yeah. Um, and that's very confusing. And we are all searching for love and support and understanding and, and our voice to be heard. And acceptance. And, and acceptance. Absolutely. You know, and we all have very colorful stories. And our first mistake is to think ours is worse or not as bad as somebody else's. Yeah, I, I was more or less referring to like the mentality of like, because I mean, parents back then kind of had like the pull it up by your bat- bootstraps type mentality. Yeah. Like, oh, you fell, just rub it off. You're, you'll be fine. I think it's part of the cycle though. Yeah. This is part of the, yeah. I mean, it's part of the cycle because. You're very optimistic. The, I, I, yeah, <laughs> I, I am because it's part of the cycle and history always repeats itself. Mm. So in, in theory, yep. I was, um, at a museum one time and they had this amazing display of how generations literally will come around and how history repeats itself. And it, and they, they had um, documentation for actually world events, but also um, family lineage, how it repeats, like um, maybe bone structure or someone's personality, like, and it's, um, every fifth generation. Wow. So I started really thinking about it at the time. So basically our fifth great or fifth grandfather, or I'm going to see if I'm saying this right, but it's fifth generation 
Um, and I, at the time I started mapping it out and I was like, oh, wait a minute. So this is about when we have upheaval, um, with war. And this is about when we have ec- economic disaster, you know, or, and this is about when we start having renewal and, and it's fascinating. Why do you think that is? Ooh. Hmm. What makes you like a, what makes you think that what? Wait, you tell me. I don't know. That's heavy. I mean, you're yeah. the one telling me this, so <laughs> I'm just now learning about it. Well, I guess, what is that? <laughs> the Lion King. Huh, nah, nah, you know, <laughs> you know, it's, a, it's a cycle of life, right? It is a cycle of life. Yeah. Yeah. I just, it's interesting, though, how we repeat history, how we just kind of resort back to yep. the past. Yep. Why? <laughs> well, I mean, there actually is a very valid reason to a lot of that. Um, because, again, it's our our experience and what we perceive at the time that creates our belief system as we get older. And if it's not um, healed along the way from generation to generation, then Mm. we're just going to continue to repeat it. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. That's a really good point. So when you hear those words like um, raising the vibrational level and, um, you know, positivity is power, you know, there's a slogans for everything. But, you know, in, in reality, the more that we heal we are really literally healing the planet. It's a hard concept for us because we... I don't think it is. You don't think so? No, I don't think so at all. But I, it might be... Tell me why. I, I, I mean, I might have a very different perspective on that than a lot of people because I've gone through trauma and I've had to kind of learn how to heal myself. And then, but like the thing is, is like I've witnessed it, you know, with the kind of energy you put off. Like if you do good things, typically good things are going to happen to you. Um, if you do shitty things, right. then bad things are going to happen but to you. That I mean, pain is still on in in there. No, you don't think so? No, not for me. Ooh, I am. Mm, I'll I'll admit, I still have pain, hundred percent, well, and I I'm, put out so much happiness and love all yeah. the time. I guess for me, um, like the the things that I went through really like defined my like younger twenties and my early adulthood, uh-huh. and. I don't know. I guess I, I noticed, I noticed, fortunately for me, I noticed that what the way I was acting, the way I was managing myself had a, a pretty big impact on people around me. And it, like to the point where, you know, people didn't want anything to do with me. And then that's when I realized, you know, I need to do something to change. And uh, when I did that, then I went to therapy and I, I it, it did wonders. Like I, you know. But th- I guess I, then you I raise was a, your vibrational level. I mean, we're all energy. Okay. Yeah, so, absolutely. I mean, we could go science on this, which <laughs> I would like to, because people think it's woo woo, which I hate that word, but energy gonna, is definitely not I'm woo-woo. not going to get sidetracked here. But the fact that you had healed yourself allows you to have more freedom to be a kinder human being. You're not walking yeah. around being angry. Yeah. So you're no. spreading that cheer yeah. without having to be Christmas. Yeah. That's, that's like, that is essentially what I'm getting at that does raise collectively our consciousness of being on a more peaceful state. Yeah. I agree. Did did everybody hear that? (laughs) He said he agrees now. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I, I just think that I don't know. I don't know. I don't remember where I was going with that. 
we can rewind at some yeah. point and go, wow, that was deep. That was deep. Yeah. All right. So let me go back here. So hmm, I was told all growing up lovingly that I was supposed to be a teacher because I could see you doing it. You know, parents always say that, which, <laughs> ooh, I did it to mine too. And then it was because then, you know, I know you're going to be a mom and you're going to have the summers off. And you'll, so that's the perfect career for you. Oh, so geez. in my mind, I'm like, okay, that's, that's how it's supposed to be. And when it kind of got to that point, um, part of my generational um, upbringing is having silent generation parents, but being raised in um, the 70s and 80s and 90s, we were taught, I mean, I, I saw the first microwave and, you know, I mean, and, you know, and the, you know, internet wasn't a thing, you no. know, you, you know, I mean, so I had very much um, transitional experiences that were very impactual, not as big as the industrial revolution, but you yeah. know, I mean, and not as big as man walking on moon and what have you, but I'm sorry, but do you think you know, that happened? Come on. <laughs> okay. Here's this. Okay. Squirrel for a moment. Okay. So, um, I used to work and I did estate sales for a while. That's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> I know there isn't, there's a lot of things I've done in my life. So I did estate sales for a while and people would, um, be done with these, their items, these personal items. Right. Well, when it was military thing, I kept saying, are you sure you don't want these? You know, I have a oh. very strong military um, background and I'm like, wow, how do you not want these? And they're like, no, 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 no. I already got what I want, whatever, whatever. Um, but there would be photos too, like personal photos. And I'd say, oh. so I had this thing where when if there was anything I was ever a question on, I would leave it in a certain part of the room and I, whoever was the homeowners, they would come and we would, we would talk and so forth. Um, I ran an extremely ethical estate sale company. <laughs> um, you owned it? Uh, I did. Oh, I wow. Did. And um, these photos that would be coming forth, you know, I would, ugh, I couldn't sell them. And, and in fact, I spent years even tracking down family members and reunited them with, you know, p other people with them that need, I mean, it was, wow. it was very cool. Um, but I had somebody's, um, their slides, all the Kodachrome and I mean, wow. all these slides. And here we are, like, I don't know, at least, I mean, maybe eight years later now it's been, and I found the other people's families you know, slides in my house. And I said, all right, I can't do this anymore. I can't have such a big heart that I'm storing other people's <laughs> memories here. So I, I had to put, put, um, put a stop to the hoarding, I suppose, of other people's things. But I was going through some of these, these slides because they're so cool. So talk about documentation of the past. I yeah. mean, the cars, the Christmas trees, the, I, I mean, ugh. there was, there's one slide where a woman must have been shopping like at Macy's or something in the forties. Wow. And she, I mean, the beautiful A-line dress, but the hats on the wall. It was oh a gosh. photo of this department store. I mean, just priceless things. Um, so of course the historian in me is like, Oh, well I need to find where that is and make sure that gets <laughs> there. And it's, it's, it gets like, you know, the rabbit hole, but moral of the story, I found somebody's pictures of when the man 
walked on moon. And that's what it said, man, walk on moon. And it was a picture of them watching it on the television screen. Wow. Wow. How cool is Did that? Did you save it? I had to. Yes, yeah, I still how, have that one. You have to. Isn't that amazing? That's so crazy. The old television, you know, rounded, um, you know, thick glass. Yeah. And you see Neil you don't Armstrong think they faked it? sitting right there. You don't think they faked it? Why do you want me to go there? Stop it's it. Just an interesting conversation. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> no. <laughs> Don't give me that look. No. I'm holding no. I'm holding no. <laughs> we uh, are capable of amazing things. That's truly amazing, though, that you were able to just go through that and find a piece of history. That's a piece of history. Yeah. So I guess if you want a window into the very first question, you know, asking me about my my upbringing, which, like I said, how many years do we have to talk about it too? Um, but I would say one of the pulls for me to originally want to have a history degree and to preserve history, to inevitably end up getting into an estate sale company, um, you know, as preservation. And I actually did some, some work with, um, the preservation societies of of Michigan and barn preservation. Like I got into all of this stuff for, for a a short bit. You Uh, sound like somebody whenever (laughs) you, you sound like somebody, whenever you get involved in something, you, you deep dive into it, no matter what it is. That's what I'm super careful. Like what I do, I'm like, (laughs) someone asked me to do one time bell choir. Oh, Lord, you'd be so good. And I was like, (laughs) I can't. (laughs) I'm like, I, you know, or be on this board and I'm like, oh, no, man, because if I do something, I'm never going to do a half ass. Like <laughs> I have, I've got, you know, my integrity and, but yeah. again, so there as your question. I was raised by the silent generation and I tell you what, you don't give up. Yeah. And if you do something, you do it right the first you time. You do it right the first time. Yeah. And, and you, you. <laughs> Better put that smile on your face and start scrubbing <laughs> the floors. You know, yeah. So um, I try not to go there because we're all doing the best we can as parents. Yeah. You know, and, and each generation we're trying to do, you know, focus on the things that we feel is right and try to let go of the things that hurt us. And then we end up doing the same thing to our kids in just a different, different yeah, I think, era. I think just know? the problem now, especially like, I mean, I'm, I'm a parent today. Like I'm raising young kids today. And so like the, the thing I notice is that there's a lot of noise, there's just a lot of noise all the time, like from the internet and you got yes. social media and you got the news and the media telling you what you should do and what you shouldn't do, what's right and what's wrong. And then you got your kids on YouTube watching whatever. And it's like, there just seems to be so much more noise today yes. than there used to be. And so like there's, like for me as a parent, it feels like I, I got so much more to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. I can't and, argue that. I agree. Yeah. And I, I think it makes parenting a little bit more difficult. Um, it's definitely challenging. It's challenging. Right. I, don't, I don't know more difficult, but I guess the mentality today is a lot different than it used to be as far as raising children. Because you yeah. didn't have to worry about the influence from others and as much. Yeah. That's again, that is a deep conversation right there. Um, but, but let's get into back into you. Yeah, let me <laughs> let me bring back to um, the 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 historical preservation aspect. So, um, I did not have 
a large family. I still don't. And um, everybody that I did have were older. So my role models were uh, blue hair, you know. Wow. I mean, does anybody even know what that term is anymore? No. You know, I mean, and I'm strong, amazing women, you know, that went and had their hair set, you know, weekly. And mm. and I I I wouldn't Terms. trade it for wouldn't <laughs> would not trade it. Is that a thing anymore? Any, anymore perms? Well, um, okay. So Gen Xers would be we'd have like a piggyback. Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> it was like really tight. Gary, but I think I've always longed. Actually, I know I have always longed for camaraderie, for um, that loud sibling reunion. For, mm. I mean, I've already lost two siblings. You know, I mean, it, it's. Um, I think the more that I would dive into other people's lives that they it looked like they cared you know that yeah. they documented christmas well hell I, don't, I won't even get into what our christmas looked like you know <laughs> i mean <laughs> that yeah um you know and then losing my brother when i was like seven you know that um that was hard you witnessed it didn't you yeah i yeah. did yeah i did Oof. that was uh very impactful what kind of impacts did that have on you for for your life. I mean, because I could imagine if watching a sibling die, it's got to be traumatic in so many different ways. And it's got to like, I mean, we talk about like kids growing up too early. Like I would think that that would cause oh. you to grow up early. Right there. I'm sure anybody that um, gets in conversation or is even hearing that would, could, could hear it in my voice very much. So, um, No, I guess I was one. Yeah. I mean, I think because I had to grow up so quick or the perception. Okay. Right. Yeah. Now that that's a better way to look at it. The perception of that little girl was that I had to grow up very quickly because I saw that my parents were falling apart and I saw that the middle, my middle brother was as well. So the perception was from a natural um, take charge child. I'm a Leo. So I was mm. already assertive, but extremely shy, which is really very shy. What happened? <laughs> I don't know. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah, you're not shy anymore, right? No, but I'm no. timid. I will be. Um, I think in the beginning when you said something, I was like, oh, I don't know, you know, and, and it's funny because I, then I laugh about it to myself mm. actually, because I'm like, look at you. You're so not like that. You're the, you're a liar, <laughs> but I am. And, and there's, you know, the, like I said, you can't come out of your childhood, you know, without being unscathed. So again, yeah. silent generation, I'm, I was raised where, you know, literally you are seen, but you're not heard, Yeah, you know, without yeah. them verbally saying that, but in the, in, in, in all my role models were, you know, 80 year old men and women that would take me home from church. You know, I had wow. the white glove Presbyterian, you know, and we'd go <laughs> to the country club or whatever, you know, and, um, but yeah, I, I wanted some level of family. You know, 
I didn't, I didn't, I've never had grandparents. You know, I mean, I had a grandmother that was on the West Coast. I only saw her maybe twice in my whole life. Wow. Um, I had my, my mother's mother was in Toledo, Ohio, which was only an hour and a half from where I was raised, but she never, we never, or I mean, I don't know, 10 times. Wow. I, I mean, I, and, and I don't, I just, I don't know. Holidays was just, and then when, when my brother died, it was just us, you know, there wasn't anything. So you just kind of felt alone. Very much so. And I struggle with that still now. Yeah. You know, I, that is definitely, and no one would ever think that. Like, What aspects of that do you struggle with now, being alone? Like, as far as, do you struggle with, like, having somebody to talk to, somebody to kind of, like, like a sibling to just call and be like, hey, like, this is how my day's mm. going. Like, what what aspects of it do you struggle with? Hmm. Well, I guess the question would be what, what defines alone to you mm. or to me, right? Because that that's that's a probably a very different question for everybody. I think it's a different question for everybody because not everybody has experienced losing somebody so close. Like so, yeah. like for me, alone would just be like like I would love alone time, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. But I haven't experienced mm-hmm. loss like you've experienced. Oh, today I had the house to myself for the very first time, and I don't know when. My Was husband, it nice? Oh, so beautiful. So. <laughs> wonderful so I crave that alone time because of all the noise right Mm. but also because I am somebody that uh, I I don't like using the word healer that I I have an issue with that but um, I am somebody that encourages and helps others find on their healing journey yeah and and being an educator that is what I dedicate my life to and so there is an awful lot of people coming to me all the time, um, asking, needing, and and I help fill that void for them through educating, through kindness, through um, a listening ear. Um, so I guess what would define my aloneness is how do I get that back, you know? And because I'll tell you what, it's scary for people to see Lori fall apart. It's very, very scary for people. Yeah, because you got so many people counting on you. Mm-hmm. So many people, mm-hmm. you're the person they go to when they need help. Right. And, and now this is where, where did that begin? That began when my brother died. I had the perception that I had to be parent yeah. and take care of everything. God I, bless my parents. I, I, mean, understand I can't even that. imagine what that's like. I mean, I, I mean, there is no criticism to them whatsoever right. no, as, as I a couldn't. parent. I couldn't imagine. I I can uh I I understand what you're saying with that because I'm in the same sense the same way because when we got taken away from my mom and put into foster care, I kind of became that person to where I felt like I needed to kind of keep everything together. So I actually have uh in my bag over there I have a stack of papers from the government that I requested from when I was in care, and it's like therapist you know recently, uh within the last year or two yeah. I think actually I might've gotten it before COVID. It was like right before COVID mm-hmm. and then uh, COVID hit. Like I requested it before COVID and then COVID hit and I got it in the mail. So I was very fortunate because who knows where I'd be in that process now. Um, actually, I'm going to grab that. Yeah, because- cool. So he's, he's, I'll let, you, let right, the listeners know he's pulling out this <laughs> thick stack. 
Yeah, so it's interesting because Wait, I was so let me let me find out. This is essentially your um, legal documentation of your life, how the government, yeah, or the state of Michigan perceived me, perceived you, correct. Okay, and it, it's interesting because a lot of this is like documentation from like therapists, you know, that I had went to, and they would explain how like they would ask me questions about my mom and you know, like how life was with her. And I would, I would lie. Like I would lie because I didn't want her to look bad because I wanted, sure, I wanted to go back. And so in a sense, I became the same way as you trying to hold everything together. Um, but it's interesting going through this because like, I didn't even, I didn't even know that. Like I, I, it's interesting how therapists can just read people in a sense, like they can understand like somebody without even really the person telling them what's going on. It's wild, <laughs> but yeah, no, I got this. Uh, like good a, ones, good yeah, ones can do yeah, that. the yes. good ones. There are bad ones, but yeah, it's it's wild. I was reading through this, and it took me a while. But How about they're not bad; they're just not as experienced, maybe. Yeah, or versed or prepared to be in that field. Maybe they would yeah. do better with a different mode of counseling or therapy. Correct. I don't. Yeah. I disagree that there's good and bad. You don't think there's bad? I think well, what, there's people who don't try as hard. How about that? Uh, that that's tacky too. Like what <laughs> if they don't know? You can only know what you know. Yeah. You can only know what you know. But you can all, you it, So it, let's say this person in here yeah. that that you're maybe you read and you're like, "Oh, man, she was terrible. She was a bad therapist or what have you." Well, that experience that he or she had with you allowed her or him to know more now that they can add to their profession and had that's their experience. That's a good point. So they may not that's then really with the point. next person coming in, you can only know what you know. Now they yeah. know more and they know how to help that person in, in the future. That's true. Everybody learns. And sometimes you have to be the learning lesson for someone yeah, and that's hard. That is true. Yeah, that is true. That's a good perspective. That's a really good perspective. Way to put I things tried. into perspective for me. <laughs> um, but no. educator <laughs> <laughs> and that's real positive too i mean because i mean i'm sure the people that you know i had as a therapist are still probably practicing today and if they weren't good at what they do they probably wouldn't be doing it so well sometimes people don't retire when they should <laughs> that is also <laughs> true <laughs> But that's out of fear, right? Yeah. What do you do with your life when you retire? What defines you? So anything that we do, I mean, here's another fascinating thought is um, a sideways thing here, but whatever career we go into, it is a reflection again of our upbringing, our perceptions, and we're either using it in a positive way or we're using it to fuel the sadness, which in theory would be kind of the negativity and in, in, inside of you. But yeah. you got to have both, right? Yeah. I mean, there's the perfect yin yang. Yeah. So without our sadness and our grief and our trauma, there's no way that we can understand, you know, um, the goodness. Yeah. And we can choose to highlight the pain and like, like example, let, um, you know, someone that was sexually abused becomes, you know, the, the sexual abuser, abuser yeah. you know, so they're highlighting the pain and they're focusing on what they know and what, you know, what's the difference now or what have you, yeah. but they're also able to shut off that pain on a conscious or, or, or subconscious level of this isn't right or wrong. Yeah. Um, but somebody that, um, 
could also having that same experience turns into the the greatest advocate and starts changing, you know, um, bills and, and, yeah. and, and the government and, yeah. and so forth. So that's the success story, right? When you, when you hear stories of somebody who went through a situation it's, it's like that, one way of looking at it, I mean, they're the hero of their story. Whereas yes. somebody who the reason why I'm hesitating is because that's the same thing. I'm going to go back to what we said a little bit ago is that there's still that pain underneath that we still have to heal. Yeah. So if you are still taking it on the good way, but that's all you're thinking about all the time and that's all you're doing. Well, now what are you still, you're still surviving. So even though you're taking it in the good way, but that's where you know, kudos to you. Give yourself major accolades right now because you've been able to take those things that you've gone through and you're able to put it in a balanced healing. Yeah. You're able to function and have that family and able to educate others, but not be consumed by it. Yeah. I definitely think that's where balance is important, right? Absolutely. Because once you become uh, consumed by it, then that's the only thing keeping you together. But you only know what you can know. So right. when you're in that situation, you don't realize that you're consumed by it because you're almost kind of running from the pain. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like the same thing as like an alcoholic, somebody who drowns, you know, everything away because they don't want to, they don't want to handle what happened to them. Same thing. Same, same thing. If, uh, I mean, in, in here, when we get into addiction, this is, <clears throat> this is where we don't understand is that if someone is running obsessively two to three times a day, well, just to get, you know, but, but it's healthy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But they're still um, doing something that is providing the body quick um, endorphins yeah. to, to mask the pain and give false happiness for a moment. And that's a hard one to argue because people would be like, but it's healthy. Yeah, you're a savage. You're, yeah, oh my God. <laughs> you know, or reading. Yeah. People that will, re- well, healthy reading is healthy. Well, yes it is, but everything in moderation. Yeah. So if whatever you pick, it could be quote unquote what is looked upon as healthy. But if you're picking reading, you know, five to, you know, 10 hours a day or what, you know, and I'm, I'm just throwing numbers out, but whatever you do, if it's to escape, yeah, then you're surviving. Yeah. I don't remember what took us there. Let's go back to this really Let's thick pack. Okay. Oh, it was the, it was the good therapist and bad therapist thing. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't remember where I was going with that either, but you gave me a bunch of different perspectives. So, mm-hmm. So you got, uh, what is this perspective for you? You have a thick pack of what this, is supposed to be you. Yeah, this pers- this perspective was interesting reading because I had my perspective of the way things had been growing up. Like the way, I remember sitting in therapy um, <laughs> and I just felt like like it didn't really help me. It didn't really do much. Um, I felt like they didn't really ask that many questions. They didn't really know too much. What age but, are you talking I was nine when I went into foster care, adopted when I was like 11. So that time, yeah, nine to 11. very difficult age to work with counseling. Yeah. You got, it's back to, you're either a good middle school teacher <laughs> or you're good, you know. Well, and the thing is too, is like for me, I was extremely close to my mom. Mm-hmm. Um, and so being taken away from her was one of the worst things that ever happened to me. And so- you know, when somebody was questioning me about questioning me about, you know, the things that she was doing, I would, I would just lie, you know, 
I didn't want them to yeah. to know the the truth or well, I wanted to water down the truth. And then what do we do? We start convincing ourselves that it's true. Yeah. And, and that's what we we all are doing it in some way shape or form in in every one of our stories because yeah. we are pushing the pain away cuz our society our culture does not teach us how to access this these emotions and and how to to work with them yeah we want to hide them and push them away don't cry in public don't oh and don't show how exciting this is to have this bottle of water heaven forbid hide it down <laughs> only say thank you instead of going yay you know we wouldn't want that present <laughs> right you know to be because then we're gloating then we're bragging yeah. you know every, we are so taught to have the card going and then the car stop and then you better hurry up and then you slow you know and yeah. it's it's extremely confusing and see that's where i went back to why part of the reason i argue where this this time frame is harder than 40 50 years ago raising your kids we, we had the same perception of of emotion then yeah. as we do now yeah. but nothing's changed as far as that but no. everything else around us has changed drastically because we still are in a culture um a society where where healing is not a priority but it should be. I mean, you look around at society today and I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe some of the things that are happening. Like, it just makes me lose hope for, for the future. As far as like the, the healthy, healthy, like healthy minds of everybody. It just seems like everybody's losing their shit. Right. I look out there and I see people losing their shit, especially when it comes to politics. Mm. It's like people get too enwrapped in, in the, those type but of things. That's not new. No, it's not. No, that's that's. But it's all there's it, always. It's all amplified. It's amplified with social media, the media, TV, it is, all that. It jazz. is that, but it is also a choice to Podcast. focus on it, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, so that's back to okay, um, like attracts like, but we also um, want to go where we feel welcomed, yeah. where we feel like someone believes what we believe and and so that's why all of these things exist because whatever we believe we can go out and find that yeah and if we don't want to heal or see the truth then we won't look for it we will only find that yeah so again i go back to that raising collectively our the heal the more healing that we search for that healing, then we are amplifying that love and that that acceptance in a healthier way. How did you become? I mean, how did how, what was your healing journey like? Because obviously there was some childhood trauma that you had, and I don't know what other trauma you had growing up. But I'm still healing journey. At I don't what think point until I die, I'll be done with but it. But at what point did you realize that I need to try to heal myself? I need to try to mentally become more clear and then you at some point decided to start helping other people with their journeys uh, the helping other people thing that just um happened that 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 (laughs) but it happened for a reason that just happened for a reason but to answer (laughs) for your your first question so um as i stated my my brother died in 1984 and my sister um was a year after my brother passed away. And uh, that was a whole nother confusing, exciting. 
messed up thing. Um, but the best thing that could have ever happened to me in the long run. Um, but sadly she lost her life to addiction and, uh, her scars. I mean, um, you know, she was adopted and came into our life when she was five from Korea in a time in 1985 where you did not have foreign adoption like yeah. we do now. Um, especially in the Flint area. I mean, that was, um, that was a whole nother, um, journey right there, but, um, she has, uh, since passed away and the last, that happened in 2017 and I could not function. Okay. I was not living. Everybody else would say I was functioning. I was not living. Probably it took me at least three years and now that we're here um, in 2022, I'm learning now who I am now. I don't feel like I'm still even fully living again. When you have something that just shakes, you know, I'm sitting there going, how is this possible that I've lost two siblings and I'm only 45 years old? Well, at the time, you know, it was um, not uh, was 40 you know and it was just like what is this you know and and that that's when I really knew I was not okay and I really and I think you don't even realize that you're really not okay from your childhood you know until like that breaking thing happens yeah and then you go oh I can't I can't I can't I cannot move any forward anymore. I've got to do something about it. You seem pretty introspective. Like, yes. Like now, talking to you, you seem pretty introspective. So where did that come from? Have you not been like that uh, your whole adulthood? No, I, I have. But yeah. again, you can only know what you know. Yeah. So as I kept um, growing and having more life experience and um, different situations, you know, come forth, um, I I think part of me being so quiet and shy as as a young one is I was learning. I was re, I had, there's that education thing. I was very much letting um, these amazing um, silent generation form my 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 upbringing, mm. my my future. Um, but you know, I guess I started once my kids got older. Um, I got to the point where I'm like, okay, now I need to go. What do I want to do? What I'm at that point now where um, I'm not having any more babies. So you know what? Let's what? What am I going to do with myself? And um, but I kind of had some time bought, I guess, because my husband then was retiring, <clears throat> and uh, uh, you know, and he's a, a retired police officer, and the statistics for the mortality rate are, are, are alarming. And I made that my, uh, my mission that I would make sure that I set up my, my husband's retirement where he could be happy. And, um, also with him being older for us to be able to enjoy that time together. And that's where we actually kind of got into the estate sale business, which that's funny how that happened, but, um, many, many, many beautiful stories with that. Um, but it, there was that journey of like, well, now what? You know, what am I going to do? And here I have this, you know, teaching degree, but I don't because it's so old now. And, you know, what I'm, you know, that was, you know, back from 
98, you know, and I'm like, well, and now, you know, now we're here and what do I do? And, um, I ended up, um, finding reflexology and that fascinated me because it's, it's, um, kind of in the medical field without having to go through all of the, the, the deep medical stuff. And I had studied, you know, anatomy and physiology and, and especially being a ballerina, I have a very keen awareness of the body. Mm. So studying that, and I'm also a fitness instructor. So studying all of the muscles again and all of that, it was, it just was right up my alley. But what I didn't know was that it has a huge element of understanding the emotional body and how the emotional body and the physical body work simultaneously. They're not separate, which is what our society wants you to think. Yeah. Is here's medical and then here's emotional. And you don't deal with this one unless it blows up. Yeah. You know, and you only deal with this one if it blows up and then you just get medicine or what have yeah. you. So that was kind of an aha, I was on the right path moment and started um, actually bringing forth a lot of my um, psychology training. And it was like, oh, wait a minute. Okay, this is actually kind of cool. I had no idea why I took all those classes at school. Wow. But because you don't make it your degree, yeah. you ignore it. Yeah. And then it kind of comes back. But all of those experiences, you go, oh, wait a minute. Okay. I kind of kind of like checkpoints. So um, got into reflexology. <clears throat> Didn't think it was going to be anything, but, uh, mm, mm. Ooh, here's another, uh, uh, women have this quite a bit that is it enough. And, uh, you know, this career, is it, um, is it professional enough or is it just like a home-based marketing thing, you know, and like, you know, and so I was down on myself with it not being this, you know, huge profession and what have you. Um, but was still hungry for more and more. And then, um, someone brought up the idea of hypnotherapy and I was like, really, (laughs) um, had never been hypnotized. And I went and studied it. (laughs) First time I had ever been hypnotized was, um, in class. What was that experience like? It's beautiful. It really is. It's so peaceful. It's I, so I, peaceful to tap in and talk to the the younger you. It, it's so cool. I think a lot of people have a misconception of what hypnotism is. What oh it, yeah, big time, <laughs> huge. What is what is it like? What is being hypnotized like? I don't want you to do it to me right now because <laughs> that well, might be interesting. But I, but it's <laughs> funny though because we it's such a natural state. Mm. We are all hypnotized. I can't even give you a number how many times in our life because it's a natural state. Yeah. It's, it's, is it like dopamine in in the brain that kind of, well, well, let's not bore everybody and get into all the science aspect here because then that might be one of those little arguments where people are going to start calling in and saying, oh, they can do whatever. They say whatever. (laughs) I don't pay attention. But but let me talk layman term anyway, because this is more, um, who our audience is. Are you saying my audience is dumb? I'm saying your audience (laughs) is amazing and they're, they're, I don't have to get into, you know, all of that. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. Um, so when you look at that campfire and you just get mesmerized, which look up um, Mr. Mesmer, by the way, on the internet sometime, but you get mesmerized and you see 
these flames and you start looking at the dancing of the, how they move, the colors and what have you, the crackling. I mean, you get so immersed in the experience of the, the sight, the sound. And before you know it, someone's going, David, David, mm-hmm. David. Yeah. And you're like, oh, oh well, I'm sorry. I was just, I was just staring into that fire. But yet you were <laughs> hearing everybody around you but you just kind of went into that peaceful state. That is a level of hypnosis. I had that experience one time at hot yoga. It was interesting. It was the first time I ever did hot yoga. And I don't know if it was the instructor because it was kind of a guided meditation after um, the session. And we're just laying there, music's playing. We're in the hot, uh, I don't know what you call it. It's like a sauna. Uh, It's really hot in there, but we're just cooling (laughs) off. So hot in there. So (laughs) hot. Um, but he's talking us See, through Gen Xer. That was to Paris Hilton right there. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was hot. Go back. It was really hot. Yo. <laughs> was it dope? It was dope. It was pretty dope. Um, but no, it, you know, it, w- the, the instructor was kind of doing a guided meditation and then I just drift off and it was weird yeah. because I felt like I was laying on a beach and I could hear waves crashing <laughs> and then like. Next thing you know, I'm back. Yes. I'm back. And I'm like, yes. oh, I want to go back. I want to so go back. <laughs> I actually lead a uh, once a month guided meditation. And I think I told you a little bit that I'm in the process of actually um, recording them. And I'd like to get them out there. Um, and I have these amazing musicians that have come into my life. Um, at being a musician myself, it was, it was really neat to... Um, connect with these other musicians that are doing all of the music for me for the meditation. That's so cool. It's super cool. And I it's all local people sometime. No, actually, um, uh, in the music world, uh, well, and it could be me because I, I love people. And I, once I get to know you, you're like my family right off the bat because <laughs> remember I didn't really have any growing up. So there, so now we're friends. So now we're, we're like, bestest. <laughs> um, but no, one of them said, well, I got this other guy that I think he should do this part. And, you know, and it's just the chain reaction. Wow. So one of them is in Georgia actually. And, um, the guy that's doing the mixing and some of the, um, editing down river somewhere. Wow. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's cool. It's just kind of cool. But cool. Um, let's go back to how does hypnosis feel? So um, I it's I find it very similar um, um, and, and almost parallel to meditation. So when I lead my guided meditation, that word guided meditation feels safer to people. Mm-hmm. Um, but really it's not that much different. Um, and there's where people will argue that and so forth. And that's fine. You know, we can get into semantics. Um, um, well, I don't have to, I don't, I don't, I get bored when yeah. people want to argue yeah. stuff, but it, what it comes down to is the, the, the feeling that you already are in a natural state of relaxation. And it's a, just a gentle reminder to bring you back into that state. And, um, and then when, when we get to certain levels, um, again, layman term here, you are able to, uh, access memories, um, which is where, when we're in hypnosis that we're going to a level where of relaxation, um, it's actually part of the brain waves, um, a state here that we are able to access memories, but also the feelings But what's fascinating about it, people are always 
concerned that they're going to have an ab reaction, like that it's going to be so scary or upsetting or, and, and I always say, you know what, you know, maybe, maybe with someone else, but how it works with Lori, you know, it's, it's completely safe. Cause first of all, no matter what you always have free will, we, we are the planet here that has free yeah. will, no matter what. And I don't care if you are hypnotized or sleeping, <laughs> you have free will. No one can ever take that away from you. Yeah. So, <clears throat> so you're not going to hypnotize me and then make me sign over my house and all that jazz. Yeah, no. <laughs> but in, and if I were to try it, your uh, free will would come into play and go, no, mm-hmm. there's no way I would do that. So when people have, you see like stage um, hypnotists and they'll say, balk like a chicken or, mm-hmm. you know, I want you to faint or whatever. They are already that type of person that would get a kick out of doing it anyway and, 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 and um, um, putting on the show for somebody, what so have is it, you. Is and, it like theater then? Is it not really real? Well, there's stage hypnotism. Okay. And then there is hypnosis for healing. Okay. So very different. Okay. I mean, yes and no. I mean, there's another argument there, right there, but um, same concept. Okay. But um, it's hypnosis for healing is is so powerful. But again, you have to be you have to be ready. And you, I I figure whoever ever comes to me is they're only by the time they come to me they're already ready. And we have this amazing built in um, safety mechanism, and where our subconscious will only reveal to our conscious self the level of information that we can handle at that point. So remember when I said back to, um, you can only know what you know, yeah. and then once you know, then you're kind of obligated to do something about it yeah. or not. You know, that's where maybe we start reading or running <laughs> or, you know, having that drink or what have you, but that accountability. So this is where... Um, Whatever your body has already been trying to tell you, you know, that's usually, like I said, I get the phone call, you know, because no one would even think about hypnosis unless the body was already going, hey, you know, right, you right. know, and, and my logo is a butterfly. And I've had a lot of people say, oh, gosh, I've been seeing a lot of butterflies lately. <laughs> and then I just saw your logo and I thought I'd call you. And I'm like, mm-hmm. interesting how that always happens <laughs> like that. But because uh, we attract what we need and we're always receiving our subconscious or in our higher self is always trying to help us. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, our body is designed to heal. I mean, we get a cut and the, the you know, white blood cells are running to that. You know, yeah. we are always finding that healing. I mean, it even goes to like trauma responses, the way Amen. the way you react Absolutely. when something happens. That's you trying to protect yourself. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. and that's a, that's kind of a deep conversation right there because, you know, that has some of has to do with your perceptions also of yeah. what is what is fear and what have you and, right. and so forth. But um, I guess to, the moral of the story to answer your question, it's it's um, it's safe. Um, you don't have because you're kind of watching it from above. So um, so you're watching this 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 story from your childhood or what have you. It doesn't even have to be that. It could be two years ago. Um, could be yesterday. But you're you're rewatching it, but you're kind of watching it from the bird's eye view. And 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 I can sense when when my client is going there and if they and you know, there might be um like a little um little like muffled sob or I can tell the body language and what have you. And then that's my job to say, um, you know, 
you are safe right here and now. Um, you are at, you know, have this amazing ability right now that you can go to that younger you. David, you can go to that person or to, to your four-year-old self. And you know now from all these years of experience what he needs. Mm-hmm. And then right at that moment you have, you have, you're being the person that that child needs. And it's like a kind of a click of like, wait a minute, I do know what they need and I'm going to take care of that right now. And so that healing begins. And it's the, now you know that you really are more than enough. Do you think it helps put things into perspective? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I want to do it. It's so cool. I want to do I it. wish that there was someone like me that could do it on me. <laughs> I mean, I know there's self hypnosis and all that, but, and it's funny because actually in, in, in training, um, when I had someone, I knew the exercise that what we were going back and to do and so forth. And the person was very nervous and had the awkward pauses and didn't have the melodic, um, vocals that like I do. And, um, <laughs> I that but it was brilliant because I got to actually understand the difference between my subconscious and my conscious because I was allowed I gave myself permission to trust this person and to relax enough yeah. and so I was hungry also for this healing and when she asked me whatever question it was, um, like, do you remember whatever memory or what have you? And then I knew on the paper of our homework assignment what the next question was. And she like kind of skipped and she didn't know. And so I was on the conscious level going, gosh, darn it, you know, such and such is missing dot, dot, dot. But my subconscious was going, this feels so nice. And it doesn't matter <laughs> if she forgets that because you're still in the position to heal. So welcome that healing. And then I was that. wait a minute. So then my conscious self's going, well, whose voice is that? And then I had my subconscious saying, hearing what she asked and I'm answering that. And then I could hear the higher self going, Lori, you're doing so well. I love you. Mm. And it was like, whoa, wait a minute. So then I'm like, Oh, forget what you're saying, lady. Like, I just really discovered my higher self, my subconscious and my conscious. And I was like, that's so cool. Wow. It's so cool. Because wow. then, I you know, like there, there's a path of really knowing yourself. That's really interesting. I cannot guarantee that all hypnotherapists do this <laughs> because <laughs> we were trained to do like scripts and, you know, okay. you know, and people call and say, do you, you know, can you help me quit smoking or whatever? And I'm like, well, let's talk about how I do it. So, um, I don't, I, I don't, I can't speak for yeah. the hypnotists, um, out there. And, and I am using the word hypnotist because that's become another issue where you don't, you can't say hypnotherapist because, you know, you're not actually a therapist, oh and, you know, so there's, there's a lot, um, some States, you know, require this, that, thus, and so just like I would never say, uh, treat, you know, prescribe, diagnose, you know, I suggest, right, and, right. you know, there's, there's a lot of things that we have to be very careful, yeah. careful about. So, yeah. um, and, and that's where I'm, Full disclosure here, I, I, I prefer to kind of talk about it in a um, loving, um, basic way for everybody to feel, first of all, that healing is attainable. Yeah. It doesn't have to be scary and it doesn't have to be, you know, oh, my package is this much money for this many sessions and I guarantee in four times you will. No, <laughs> I, yeah. no that's not <laughs> what life's about, but <laughs> that's actually how it, it typically, typically is, so. 
How many sessions do you think you should do of hypnotherapy? Oh, you are going to do that. I yeah. uh, all right. Well, I mean, like, it depends if on you're the trying goal. to if you're trying to overcome like some let's say childhood trauma. Well, I mean, would you have to go through it maybe one time for it to be no. in, impactful, or do you need to do it several times? No. Um. However, the first time really okay. This is kind of how I've observed it over the years is the first time is kind of the holy shit <laughs> like you come out and you're like whoa and I don't ever tell anybody that's the first one because then they'd be like oh god what I do tell them is that it's it's soothing and you're you're going to receive what you need to at that moment because mm. because yeah. there's that built-in built-in safety mechanism so you'll receive what you need to receive but we always have these preconceived expectations and notions we always think it's supposed to be like this and like that and you know ugh, no that's not that no that's not how it works ever right so the first session really is like whoa for me whenever i go into something like that i don't try to like hold back because whenever i go into something like that i want to i want to i want to dive in I want to be like, okay, I'm going to fully embrace this. Well, I want to see how far I can go. You would be fun. That's where, like, that's that's how <laughs> but not I am. everybody is. Right. You know, and, and yeah. a lot of people are very nervous, very yeah. timid. And I'm always so proud of them that they actually got to the appointment and they're actually sitting in that chair. And I tell I mean, them cause, that because there are so many ways. Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of people not be there. A lot of people have never addressed some of the things they've been through. So, you know, when they go to something like that, it's got to be very difficult. Whereas, like somebody like bravery, it's so brave. Somebody like me, you know, I talk about the things I've gone through, like almost every podcast. You know, I mentioned something. So, like, I've I've gone through. Yeah, exactly. And so, like, by talking about it, it's helped me tremendously. But, you know, like, so when I go do something like that, I want to just dive all in. Yeah, I just want to see how far this thing will take me. Well, as I mentioned, I you know, I, I, I work quite a, closely with um, law enforcement and uh, military. So, you know, I mean, I, I really have a soft spot for um, for grief trauma, but PTSD from from, um, from careers. Yeah. You know, um, not everybody can work in that type of work. Yeah. You know, um, or you may be fine when you start. But by the time you're you're retired, you've seen so much so many things. Oh, oh, yeah. No, and, as far as, yes. It I mean, changes it, you. Yes. Oh, yeah. And you've got to be conscious all the way through to yeah. not let it, yeah. you know. Um, and that that's that's difficult. Yeah. You know, but not, I guess what I was originally getting at is not everybody can specialize in that like I do. Yeah. You know, and, and that's where, you know, someone will come to me and, you know, finally, you know, spill all these things that, you know, has been so heavy on them. And I can create that safe space for you that, you know, First of all, there isn't anything that you can tell me that I'm going to judge you for. Because, I mean, as as you've already listened to me, you know that um, I truly believe that we all have something that is is our pain that we're trying to learn how to, what to do with it. Because it's not a natural state to have that pain. Do you have an obligation to report stuff if something were to come out? So there's certain states that would have all of that, um, mm-hmm. but this is one of those unregulated professions. Mm-hmm. So, so it depends on the state. Okay. Um, moralistically, you know that that's um, 
that's it's your that, choice. That, that's yes, in our state it yeah. is. Okay. Um, it's different than like in in the uh, teaching. So um, in our school systems, there is that, and, right. and, and also Same with therapy. And, exactly. Yeah. So um, it's it, because it's not regulated in in that way. You know, it's um, now. If ooh, that's a deep question. If someone comes to me, but I don't think they would come to me. I attract very different things, so I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm not even gonna bring that in. <clears throat> if something like that happens, I'm sorry. <laughs> I will. Since you're my friend now, I will call you and say, "What am I supposed to do?" <laughs> I would be like, "Report that." Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that's wild. So we're an hour and fifteen minutes in. Wonderful. Isn't that crazy? Easy. Easy. We could talk all day. Yes. Or all night. Yeah, it's insane. That's why you need to start a podcast. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to talk about real quick? Mm, Self-love. If we we had to wrap anything back to the very beginning of our conversation, um, you know, when I post something on Instagram, I hashtag always self-love advocate. That, that is that is my passion and my drive is to advocate for everybody to understand that we have to love ourselves first. And that first concept is like, what does that mean to love myself? We think it, it, it is, you know, getting our nails done or going on vacation or, you know, having that massage. And it's, that's, you know, little tiny parts of the spider web, but it's so much deeper than that. And, and I'm going to come back to it. It's be the person that you needed when you were a child, you know, hold yourself accountable for those mean words, you know, don't be mean girl. Don't be mean boy in your head, you know, don't be the jerk. And we are the, the way we talk to ourselves. We would never talk to somebody else that way. And, and when I do some of my uh, meditations, I'll, um, like how you had said when you were in hot yoga, how you just kind of drifted away. Mm-hmm. One of the things I, I, I do is I have the patrons bring forth the image of themselves as whatever age. And I, they can look at it as um, maybe the photograph on their, on their night table, or maybe they can actually visualize that. And then I have them bring forth the image more um, as we sense smells, what have you, you know, and just bringing it stronger and stronger. And then I have them love that child and have them say kind words and loving words. And then I bring the awareness that when you talk about how fat you look in the mirror, how late you were, you shouldn't have... You shouldn't, shouldn't, shouldn't. Ugh, gosh, you know, the shoulds on your shoulders. You know, when you, all the nasty things we say to ourselves and and we downplay that it's not so mean. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. I shouldn't have this. I shouldn't have that. And then I have them visualize. Now, can you imagine saying those things to that sweet little boy or girl that has only been out of God's arms this long? And, and that's that moment where you go, whoa, I'm being so mean to myself and myself is beautiful. So that's how I will leave this. Thank you for doing this <laughs> podcast. 
Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And hopefully it's one of many. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Bye. (laughs) Be blessed. Thank you.